Welcome to Bulls Gold on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio. I am Salim Sutterwala, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Shield Jr. How are you doing today, Edward? How was your uh, weekend? I'm doing well. Weekend was good. Uh, everything is everything. NBA came back last week, so we finally got some basketball to watch. But yeah, I'm good. How's, how are things going with you? Good, good. I was, uh, yeah, been watching basketball. It's been it's been nice watching basketball from like the entire day, essentially, like from one to one in the morning. It seems like so. It's been it's been a blast. It kind of reminds you of like the old days when you were a kid. Remember the NBA and NBC when they used to have like Saturday basketball all day long. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it. Kind of feels like summer league a little bit too. I mean, summer league when it's in action, you get games pretty much all day. So it's a different feeling, especially in late July and August. Yeah, and it's been really competitive games. Like but for the most part, I mean, maybe one or two games that have been uh, blowouts. That, but for the most part, these have been really nice competitive games. And some teams that are looking like you know they haven't really missed a beat, uh, and especially a team that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks, they seem like they're, for the most part, prime to uh, take, come out of the East. Uh, and and it's, we've been talking our series about teams in the Orlando bubble. Uh, to help us remove, review the Bucks, joining us today is Drake, also known as Snell Season on Twitter. Hey, Drake, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Um great to have basketball back and it's great that uh sports twitter's back to talking about live sports because there was a there was a while there where it seemed like content was dry and everyone was just sitting around waiting so i'm, I'm glad we're back and thanks again for having me yeah man thanks for joining us appreciate it yeah for sure for sure it's uh it's been a pleasure to at least have a little bit of distraction even though i know there's important things going on that we should still focus on but it's it's slow it's nice to have somewhat of a a a pleasure of a moment as far as watching sports uh so yeah it's been really nice to have that yep yep so let's get into it you know we talk about the milwaukee bucks they've been very dominant all year i feel like in a sense also been underrated because a lot of the, a lot of the focus goes straight to both LA teams, uh, and for some for the for a good reason as well. Because obviously you have the whole Kawhi and LeBron, they're big names, so it kind of is understandable that they're a big market. But I feel like the Bucks have actually been better than both teams, and I mean, there's not really an argument in that regards. Because when you look at their numbers as far as the point differential, how easily they're beating opponents for the most part, uh, they have. I think easily the best player in the game right now in Giannis, uh, at least in the regular season. Playoffs can be different depending on what happens this season as well. But he's been great. Uh, he's been leading the Bucks, And another big reason I think the Bucks have been dominant is Chris Middleton has taken a big step for them, I feel like. Last year he was good. This year he's even taken another step. And I feel like you can make a strong argument that he's a top 15 top 20, top 15 even player in this league. So looking at him, let's start off with Chris Milton. Do you think he can continue his strong play into the playoffs? I think because last offseason or last pro season, I should say, maybe there was some issues with him in the conference finals, I want to say, where teams kind of trapped on uh, Toronto, I should say trapped on 
Giannis and there wasn't a really another guy that they can uh the Bucks can use as a release valve if you if you will. Do you think Chris has taken a step to be able to be that guy? I uh, personally I, I think so. Yeah. Um a, lo- a lot of times when we talk about the Bucks and playoffs, people kind of default back to that Toronto series, which I mean is is completely fair because that's the farthest we've made it in the playoffs since I think it's 2001. Um but in that series, Toronto just had us totally figured out and, and really nobody looked like themselves on the Bucks roster. I mean, as a Bucks fan watching um, every single game and then and then watching that Toronto series, I mean, we, we couldn't hit our shots. Uh, everyone kind of just looked off. So it's, it's my hope that um, I fully expect, considering that Chris has been so much better this season as a whole since last season, um, I fully expect him to, ha- to have a good playoff performance this year. Um, and I think that, I think that we've, we've learned from last postseason we, and, and kind of, how the Raptors have figured out, figured us out. So I fully expect the Bucks to, to kind of bounce back and look sharper in the playoffs. They added that experience. Um, they added some more guys that can hopefully hit those open threes that we desperately needed last season. So I think that um, even with Giannis becoming a better player, even from last season, I think that that's going to spread the floor and it's going to allow us to um, it's going to allow and, and give Chris the open space to hit the shots that he needs to hit. And uh if this regular season was any indication, I, I don't see Chris struggling in the playoffs. At least, fingers crossed. I hope not. When you say figured out, what what did Toronto do last postseason that really gave Milwaukee fits? Because I mean, uh, like, like, what's the general strategy you think that when Milwaukee struggled this season, and when you reference the uh, postseason last year? What what gives Milwaukee fits in these tight and big games? I think it, it really comes down to just um, if a team can set up a good wall to stop Giannis, then that, that causes us a lot of trouble. Because I think that there are a number of games where we can just kind of, um, I don't want to say coast by, but there are a number of games where we can – give the ball to Giannis and he can pick apart the team and and then it it really doesn't give us too many issues. But then when you come across a team like the the Raptors last season, um, they really just kind of created that wall and and Giannis couldn't score in the paint like he's used to. Um, And that kind of just throws off our whole whole game plan. So it, it really comes down to a team's wall defense and, and stopping Giannis, trapping Giannis, just completely surrounding him. Because, I mean, if you look at pictures from the playoffs last year, I swear there's four guys on – four Toronto Raptors on Giannis, and he really just can't kick the ball out. So I think when I say um, teams – the Raptors specifically figured us out, I think it's – they put um, guys like Siakam, they put guys like um, – Sergi Baca, just big, athletic, strong guys just in the paint. And Giannis really hadn't seen much of that before. So it, it was really the Raptors kind of wall defense that, that really impressed me last season. So with that said, we know Giannis is one of the best players in basketball, arguably the best player in basketball, depending on who you ask. But do you think that with the way teams can guard him in the postseason, as you mentioned with a wall, 
packing the paint with athletic bigs, long athletic bigs. Do you think that, do you have faith that Giannis as a jump shooter can be more formidable this time around in the postseason? Because even though, even though we know he can dominate in the paint and we know he's not ever going to be a Kevin Durant type of jump shooter, there has to come a time where Giannis is able to hit a jump shot with some level of respectability that he can make teams pay in the postseason. How much faith do you have in that? I think that, um, I mean, his three ball has shown some, uh, I feel like he's improved to a slight extent. I think that adding um, Corver over the off season, that's, I mean, that's one of the best shooters in, in NBA history, or at least um, amount of three pointers made. So I think adding Corver helped a lot. I think that, that you can't really ask for a better shooting coach for Giannis. Um but I think really what it comes down to is we have a lot of good three-point shooters, um, a lot of guys that can that can catch fire. Um, so I think it really mostly comes down to Giannis if they're going to be able to pack the paint, if he can consistently hit those mid-range shots, those those turnarounds, those fadeaways uh, in the paint or, or at the key. Um, I think that that's going to really elevate his game because we know how well he can finish and drive, but to even just um, add in that, that little mid range that he can go to consistently more often, I think that that adds another evolution into his game. So, I mean, watching him this season, it seems like that he's more comfortable with that mid range shot. So it's going to really come down to, I think um, if he has enough confidence in himself to take that shot during the postseason and, um, I guess we'll have to kind of wait and see because only time will tell. But but my hope is that Giannis has, has kind of matured his game enough to to feel confident in taking those jump shots because I think the the main thing that we've seen is is Giannis shots his, his shot doesn't look pretty when he doubts himself when he takes that hesitation and then shoots that you that's usually where you see those those threes that are way off or those mid ranges that are way off so I think just building that confidence uh, is going to be key so hopefully he can find that come playoffs yeah certainly his teammates are going to have to help him uh, even when he does get trapped because he's going to see a lot of double and maybe even triple teams uh, to try to get the ball out of his hand and we talk about Chris Middleton stepping up. The other guy that has been a disappointment and more so uh, last season was a guy in, by Eric Bledsoe. Uh, he's going to be relied on even to be another ball handler. Uh, obviously, his defense is sound, but as, as a scoring option as well, he's going to have to step up and try to you know take some pressure off of Giannis. What have you seen from Eric Bledsoe as far as this season? Uh, has there been any change? And has he talked about his postseason struggle and what his mindset are, are to get prepared for the postseason? Yeah, I think um, Bledsoe obviously gets a lot of uh, – there's a lot of weight put on his shoulders considering the, the playoff performance last season. And, I mean, it's definitely valid because he was really struggling offensively. Um, but like I was talking about earlier, there's – 
you could say that a lot about a lot of guys in the at least in that Raptors series. I mean, one that stands out um, is Miritich. I mean, we brought him on to to hit threes, and and I, I swear I, I saw him maybe hit one or two shots. It felt like in that Raptors series. But um, going back to Bledsoe, I think that um, that. His defense is there's there's not going to be any problems there. I mean he he brings so much to the Bucks team defensively. Um, I think it's going to come down to, um, I mean, just <laughs> I, it it sounds simple, but hitting more open shots. We got a lot of open looks in that Raptors series that, but we just really didn't hit them. Um, so far this season, it seems like Bledsoe's, I mean, just from the eye test, it seems like Bledsoe's shot has been at least a little bit more consistent. Um, I think one thing that he really adds to the team that that we were missing last night in the in the Rockets game is that uh, his ability to drive and then kick to open shooters is is fantastic because his finishing around the rim is, is really stellar. Um, and he just adds another one of those guys where you can um, – drive it into the paint and hopefully create some space and then kick it out to a shooter. Um, I think with Bledsoe, one thing that might help um, going into this year's playoffs is that there's not going to be those fans. There's not going to be all those eyes on him. Um, I mean, only time will tell because we haven't seen Bledsoe play yet in the bubble, but my best guess is that not having fans in the arena is going to help Bledsoe at least a little bit because I think that when he gets nervous, he doesn't take as good care with the ball that we need him to, and he kind of makes those those dumb mistakes. So my hope is that without all the fans, without that like really intense atmosphere, maybe he can uh, step his game up. But that's why I've kind of really been wanting to see um, Bledsoe back and, and just see how he reacts to playing in the bubble when there's no fans, when the, the atmosphere is different, that sort of thing. Yeah, to your point, uh, Bledsoe, I was just looking at his uh, field goal percentage by distance, and they are improved from last season when you look like from 3 to 10 feet and then like 16 feet to after 3, all those percentages are higher compared to uh, what he was last season. And also... Uh, Bulls fans can relate to the Miritich uh, disappearing act in the playoffs. So uh, we 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 feel that pain as well when when you're relying on him to hit a wide open shot, he just you know just couldn't do it. I yeah, I mean that's that's really what we brought him in for, and I mean I can pull up the numbers right now, but I, I it, it seriously only feels like he hit maybe four shots that entire series, um, and, and my hope is that. Marvin Williams is going to be what the Bucks hoped that Miritich would be. Um, and so far, every indication has proved that that's going to be true. I mean, I've been really impressed with Marvin so far in the bubble. So hopefully, uh, hopefully Marvin can be what we hope the Miritich would be. That's, that's, that, that's what I'm praying for. Do virtual fans count as something that might get Eric Bledsoe like a little nervous? <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's different from the the player's perspective being on the court and kind of seeing those screens better. Um, but from watching on the TV, it doesn't, I mean, I'm sure that, that it, it adds something to the game, but from, from a fan's perspective watching it hasn't, it hasn't added a whole lot. So my hope is that it, it, <laughs> 
it doesn't make Bled as nervous as uh, real fans do. Those virtual fans are really rowdy so far. So it's something. Yeah, to watch I mean, for. some of the games, yeah. it, it feels like their their audio is cranked up, and some games it's like you you don't hear any fake crowd noise. So yeah, yeah we'll we'll have to see, I guess. <laughs> so you you mentioned that. And this is such a completely different environment, as we all know, because there's nobody there. It has a very AAU feel to it. And one of the things about the playoffs that everyone always says is that the playoffs are different. And the crowd environment is one of the reasons why the playoffs have always been different. But now in this bubble, my theory is that there's not going to be much of a different. There may there may be no difference at all in between that transition from the last game of a regular season to the playoffs. Players may have a little bit more sense of urgency, but the environment is going to be the exact same. So I, I mentioned that to bring this up when you say that Eric Bledsoe, it, it, this bubble may help him because if, there won't be a, a big raucous playoff environment. Do you think overall with this Bucks team that this helps them because there were a lot of moments last year where it seemed like this uh, Milwaukee Bucks team was really benefit from having such a a good uh, hometown environment. So what do you make of the overall impact that playing in this bubble is going to have on this team in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, there's there's two there's two ways I can kind of take it and only time will tell. But on one hand, I think that um, it might help some of the guys. I mean, we know how good of a, a regular season team that the Bucks are. That's kind of what they get criticized for. They're they're so good in the regular season, and then come playoffs, things kind of um, pull back a little bit. So on one hand, maybe that'll help this team. Um, maybe it'll feel the games will feel more like regular season games just because you don't have that that incredible atmosphere. Um, but on the other hand, I feel like a guy like um, Giannis kind of feeds off that energy. Um, and I feel like it might be a little detrimental for him. But when I say that, I mean, so far, the two regular season bubble games, Giannis has put up pretty incredible stat lines. So it's really hard to tell because I, on one hand, I, I think that it might hurt a guy like Giannis just because I, I feel like he feeds on that energy. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, he it doesn't look like he's missed a step so far in, in these two games that we've played. So, um, I mean, as a Bucks fan, I'll be really interested to see how, how it affects us, if it affects us. Um, and, and hopefully as a Bucks fan, hopefully, um, we can get that regular season Bucks team and we can, and, and we can be just as dominant as people know that we can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my theory is that, uh, depth is going to be even bigger factor in these, playoffs simply because I feel like these role players will probably not be at, feel as much pressure as they do uh, in the regular playoff atmosphere so with the Bucks having such strong such a strong team from you know 1 to 11 or 10 I feel like that that gives the Bucks a, a special advantage to uh, to be able to take advantage of that and 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 really you know get not only get out of the East, but give them even the stronger chances of winning it all. Right. Yeah. I think that, um, our, our depth is kind of overlooked. People want to talk about the Clippers and I mean, the Clippers have a fantastic bench. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, um, 
like you said, we have a lot of guys that can, uh, that can just come on the court when our starters need a rest and then our production doesn't drop too drastically. They can kind of hold their own. Um, so I think that that, I, I agree. I think that that's going to be a, a really big factor in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think the the advantage the Bucks have over the Clippers is chemistry. I think the the Bucks have better chemistry, uh, like I said, from top to bottom. And the Clippers, I think they showed improvement in their chemistry, but they were they're a lot they're a team that were most recently put together more so than the Bucks have. So I think that that's another advantage. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, when you look at. Uh, when you look at videos of the Bucks in the locker room or you, you see footage of them at practice, they really just look like a, a big group of friends. So I, I, I do think that definitely that that chemistry plays a, plays a really big role. What did you make of the game Sunday night against Houston? Like, what, what was your takeaway from it? That was actually the, the first time that I was actually upset with the Bucks. Um, a lot of times in losses, I, I kind of look for the silver lining or, or look thing, look at things that went well. Um, and there are things that went well last night. Um, I mean, our rebounding in the first quarter, our perimeter defense and our defense really, really surprised me. But then kind of things um, fell apart. And in the last quarter, in the last two minutes specifically, um, our ball security was just awful. I mean – we had 22 turnovers and I, I, I swear that there were four or five turnovers within the last two minutes. So that was, that was really the first time that I was genuinely upset with the Bucks Cause that was completely our game to win. We just didn't take care of the ball and it, it came back to bite us. It was um, yeah, it, it was ugly. That was some of the worst basketball I, I've seen from the Bucks in a long time. We couldn't hit shots Thankfully, the the Rockets were um, struggling too. I mean, they shot like sixty threes, and I swear to God, like thirty of them were wide open in the corner. They just weren't falling for the Rockets. So, um, yeah, that was that was just that 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 was the first time I, I in recent memory that I've been really upset with the Bucks. It was just it was sloppy play. But I mean, I, I'd rather have one of those games now than than come crunch time in the playoffs. So I'm not gonna lose sleep over it but at the same time it, it there's a lot that we need to work on it's a positive takeaway from it is they did come back and and make it competitive and they could have still won that game even as bad as they you know that you say they played oh yeah uh, and i mean um we were missing pat who i mean is not not some all-star caliber player but he gave Sterling Brown like 20 plus minutes and he's, he's a liability. I mean, he, he puts in the effort on defense, but offensively he his decision-making and playmaking is just terrible. So I'd, I'd much rather give those 20 minutes to Pat. And then, I mean, we were also missing Bledsoe who who's proven to be able to guard James Harden as well as pretty much anyone else in the league. I mean, so his, his defense and his um, playmaking and ball handling were, were definitely missed, but, Still, those those turnovers were killer, especially down the in crunch time. It was it was disappointing, but like you said, there were some positives, but there were also uh, a lot of negatives. So hopefully, we can just learn from that and bounce back. You mentioned Toronto earlier. Give me another team in the East that you think gives the Milwaukee Bucks a lot of problems in a seven game series. 
For me personally, I, I've been saying it for a couple months now, but it's the heat that kind of scare me the most. Um, the heat have proved to be able to defend us well. They've been, they've proved um, to, to be able to slow us down. And the one thing that we're, the Bucks are so susceptible um, is our perimeter defense and the heat have a lot of those just streaky shooters, those guys that can, can catch fire and, and just absolutely kill you from deep. Um, so the heat do scare me in that sense quite a bit. I don't think that they beat us in a seven game series. I, I, I don't think that they can have four or five of those games where they're um, four of those games where they're, they're hitting all their shots. It feels like, um, but, and then a, another team that kind of scares me, at least on paper, is the Sixers. Um, on paper, they they look like the team to to beat the Bucks. I mean, they have Embiid, they have Simmons, they have Horford, they have all these big athletic guys that can slow Giannis down. But then on the other hand, they don't really have that offense that that can bury the Bucks. At least not from deep perimeter shooting has been kind of their their one Achilles heel. The for the 76ers. So, um, and, and with the 76ers, it's really quite strange because on one night you'll have a team that looks like the best team in basketball. And then on the other, on a different night, you'll have a team that looks like they don't really know what they're doing. So it'll really depend on if the Bucks meet the Sixers in the playoffs, it'll come down to what Sixers team do the Bucks get. And, and if they're, if they're playing like a well-oiled machine, like we've seen them be able to, but um, I, I'm confident that the Bucks can take any, any team in the NBA. I, I don't see any team in the NBA um, beating us in a seven game series. And I, I know that's biased, but, um, but there's, there's every indication that the Bucks should be able to win it all. And I think it's kind of um, championship or bust for us. Not that, I think the team's going to break down if we don't make it there. But I, I think that um, kind of everyone is expecting us to make it to the finals. And as a Bucks fan, I'm expecting us to make it to the finals too. So, Yeah, it's, it, it's going to be a definitely interesting ride. And I, I would expect them. I would, be, I would be pretty shocked that if they don't um, at least get into the finals. So we've been talking about the Bucks. Obviously, they're a legit talent contender. They have the franchise player. They have another star alongside the franchise player. Great coach, top to bottom as far as uh, depth is concerned. I think the organization is probably doing better too as far as front office is concerned um, as far as reputation-wise. Now we switch over to the Bulls. Uh, They're obviously a team that has been in a rebuild mode for at least the last five years. And... They're recently finally made you know a decision that was a long time coming where they got rid of their front office uh, and their John Paxson was the former executive VP and Gar Foreman who was a GM and replaced them with Arturis Karnaschovas and uh, Mark Eversley. What were your thoughts on the Bulls' moves this offseason as far as at least the front office and? Uh, what do you expect from, like, as far as your opinion on them hiring Curtis uh, Chovis and Eversley? Yeah, I mean, I think that a change of pace was needed. Uh, so I, I definitely think 100% that those those were good moves. I mean, like you were talking about, it, it seems like it's been forever since we've seen the Bulls um, 
be contenders or at least uh, at least kind of get out of this rut that they've been in. So I think that a change of pace is is definitely needed. Um, I, I think that it was a really smart move by the Bulls, and I I hope that it helps. I hope that it helps them down the line because I mean they're one of these great historic teams. So to see them struggling for the past couple of seasons, it it's kind of disappointing. So I, I'm hoping that they can. Um, become one of these great, uh, great franchises again. Um, I also think that, I mean, I'm not a Bulls fan, so I by no means have I watched as many Bulls games as you guys have, especially these past couple seasons. But um, I get the sense that a lot of um, Bulls fans aren't happy with Jim Boylan. And I know that there's some players that that have some some struggles or have some disagreements with Jim Boylan. So I, I'm interested to hear your guys's take on the, on the whole coaching um, situation and, and as Bulls fans, what you hope to see down the line. Uh, for me, it, it's simple. I think Jim Boylan needs to be gone. And yeah. I, I, I don't think fans are really going to embrace this new era unless he's not on the sideline because I think Jim Boylan is the last representation of a really bad era for his team. He didn't really benefit the team in any sort of way as a head coach. Now, granted, Jim Boylan as an assistant coach is a completely different conversation than what we're having, but as a head coach, he simply just does not fit the personnel on this roster. And a lot of fans are seeing that as very blatantly obvious and when they hear rumors of Arturis Karnaschovas wanting to have a trial period to evaluate Jim Boylan, much like John Paxson, when he first took over as the general manager of the Chicago Bulls, had a trial period to evaluate Bill Cartwright, fans don't really want to hear any of that noise because, again, it's blatantly obvious. So I think we all just want to see new coach. We got the new GM, we got the new EVP, and let's get everything out the way. Let's get that done. And now let's look at the players on the roster and see what we can uh, tinker with there because at this point, there are a lot of interesting young players on this Bulls team and nobody wants to see their talent mismanaged or squandered in a system that doesn't really benefit their abilities. For sure. Yeah, I agree with Edward completely and that. Every, I don't think you'll find anyone in Bulls Nation. I mean, probably some, but I think about ninety nine percent of Bulls fans uh, just just need want to see Boylan gone, and they want to see a, a fresh start, a complete fresh start, as far as what this organization does and player development and and everything like that. And that player development you can't really you know have a fresh start with until you get a new coaching staff as well. So they definitely want to see that change happen so going into player development uh bulls obviously do have some nice pieces i mean that there are pieces there that you can really work with i mean not, not necessarily any superstars or any potential superstars uh but they do have some guys that have some nice potential to do some maybe maybe be all-stars uh, but at least be pieces to a competitive team down the uh, down the line. In your uh, uh, in your opinion, like when you look at this roster, what do you do? You think the Bulls are 
fine as is just to keep adding, continue to build towards this? Or do you think there's some players on here that you would like to see the Bulls maybe move or you would you would see that, hey, maybe they can, you know, try to build around a certain type of players here and, and move certain players elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, um, I personally, I, I really like the young guys that the Bulls, Bulls have. I really like um, Daniel Gafford. I, I, I really like Lori. I really like... Um, Kobe White. Kobe White seems to actually just absolutely destroy the Bucks. Um, so I, I really like personally, I, I, I love the young pieces the Bulls have. I think what it really comes down to, like you guys were talking about, is that player development, because I, I, I don't know how well Jim Boylan is going to be able to to develop these young players. I mean, it's kind of like um, I, I kind of get feelings of this Bucks team when Jason Kidd was the coach. Um, Jason Kidd was just not, I mean, look at, granted, we did improve the roster and we did have guy like Giannis and Chris, but, but look at, look at how drastically better the Bucks team was once we got rid of Kidd and when we brought in Bud, I mean, the, the difference is night and day. So I don't think that, that the, bringing in a new coach would turn the bulls into the bucks. But I, I, I think that it, it could make a really, a really big difference because uh, like I said, I, I really enjoy the the bulls young players. And I mean, Zach Levine is just a ton of fun to watch and, and Kobe white. I feel like he has, he has a really great potential. So um, I think it really mostly comes down to getting a new um, getting a new coach in there and, and someone that can really develop kind of this untapped potential that a lot of the, the young bulls have, I feel like. You know what I think is interesting about the Milwaukee Bucks is when we're talking about a new uh, era for the Chicago Bulls with Arturis Karnasolis and Mark Eversley, they're taking over a team that was built with a lot of high draft picks. You look at Wendell Carter Jr., Lowry Markinen, Chris Dunn was a high draft pick. Uh, Kobe White, another high draft pick. So a lot of the core players on this Bulls team are high draft picks. And the Bulls have had to tank the last few seasons because there was really no other route. But you look at the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis was a, a lottery pick, but he was what the 14th overall pick, or was he just yeah, outside the lottery? Something or, like that. I think it might have been 15th. 15th. Okay. Chris Middleton was basically a throw-in in a deal involving Brandon Knight and Brandon Jennings, and he was a second-round pick initially. You look at the rest of Milwaukee's uh, starters or, or players who started for them this season. Brooke Lopez was a one-year deal the year before they extended him after, but he was a pretty cheap signing, right? Then you look at uh, Eric Bledsoe, they got in a trade. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo, 17th overall pick. Wesley Matthews has started game, a, a lot of games for Milwaukee this season, and he's a, a, a really cheap veteran. So you look at Milwaukee, and they haven't had to tank for this roster that they currently have. 
Now, granted, you can look back at the regimes before that and the way those teams were built before Giannis became Giannis. And I'm sure Milwaukee tanked a bunch of times, but they didn't have to tank to get this roster. And I think one of the things Bulls fans are discussing right now is, okay, with this new regime, are they going to tank or are they just going to say, hey, Let's see what we have with this talent now and let's see if we can just evaluate better and find better pieces without necessarily having to nosedive during the new regime era. So I wanted to ask you about that. What do you what do you think about the pair or not even the parallels, but what do you think about tanking versus not tanking with this current Bulls roster? Do you think there is a chance? And granted, I know it takes a lot of luck. Because not everyone can build a team around a 15th overall pick, a second round pick, and a bunch of veteran minimum signings that end up striking gold. But what do you think about just flat out tanking and saying, hey, let's let's go for Cade Cunningham or whatever one year. Let's go for a Monty Bates like three or four years from now versus saying, hey, let's just evaluate talent better and let's just. Let's just find talent through the drafts, second round pick, whatever, and let's just build it that way. Yeah, I, I mean, personally, tanking isn't wouldn't be my ideal route to go for any team. Be just because, like you were talking about, um, it 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 really it takes a lot of luck. I mean, um, you could get the first overall draft pick and then you could draft the next biggest bust in NBA history. Someone that looks great in college, but their game just doesn't really translate to the NBA or, or they're not really, um, not really who you expected them to be. Um, so I personally, I would much rather build a team, um, trading some young pieces if you have to, but, but just bringing in some, some NBA proven talent guys that, you know, can compete at the highest level. Um, so tanking is never, I mean, we haven't had to watch tanking bucks teams that, that often, at least not recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's never really been, been my style. I mean, because yes, you can get the, uh, a lottery pick and then you can draft the next Giannis or you can draft the next LeBron, but um, it's really, it's really a gamble. And if you draft the, the wrong player, then it can be um, three or four or five more years of not making the playoffs or being a perennial eight seed. Or, um, so, I mean, it, it really, it just takes too much luck for my liking personally. Yeah. Yeah, that that's fair, and I think and and the draft, it's like you like you painted, it's such a crapshoot that I feel like you have to uh, find ways to get multiple draft picks in a draft when you're rebuilding. So that way you can obviously you can take some of your safe picks, maybe one safe pick, but the other picks you can try to shoot for the stars and see, hey, this guy has really raw talent and. And and to the Bucks credit, obviously with Giannis, he was very raw coming in. Uh, people thought that you know he was a boom or bust talent, and obviously he completely boomed. And you see the you know you see the 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 reward there. But guy there there every year there's guys in the draft that have that raw potential that do end up busting. But they also there are guys that end up being not not necessarily as good as Giannis, but they end up showing you know all star potential because. They they were raw and and eventually someone took a gamble on them and, and late in the first or mid first uh, for 
for one reason or another. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with that that thought process that I think the whole tanking has a has has positives and negatives and I think the better route is to try to keep trying to build a team and once you have a team that's competing, uh you can keep adding to it. Like I, I look at a team like Toronto for example um, the, you know, they had DeRozan, they had Lowry, they built a nice team around that. They had to adapt. They built a culture there about winning player development. And then eventually they had pieces to trade for Kawhi and then they won a championship. And granted, Kawhi left, but now they still have a really strong foundation there that they look like they could, you know, have a puncher shot even to cut out of the east of, you know, things add up correctly for them where they're still a really good team and, you never know. They may have another opportunity to land another a big name star. Yeah, and I, yeah, I agreed a hundred percent. And I think that um, one of the other um, one one of the other reasons why maybe I'm not so keen on tanking and, and kind of relying on the draft is just because the Bucks don't have the best draft history. I mean, at least not recently. Dante has been a, a really pleasant surprise. I'm really high on Dante. I, I really like the guy. But then when you look at their other first round picks in recent memory, it's DJ Wilson, who I, I really, I mean, I, I, a lot of Bucks fans like DJ Wilson, but I feel like it's more of just kind of um, a, a meme. He, he kind of looks lost when he's on the court. Um, we have Thon Maker, who is a decent player. I mean, he's been, he's been fine for the, for the Pistons, but he's not, he's not this all-star level talent. Another first-round pick was Rashard Vaughn, um, John Henson, Jimmer Fredette. These are all our, our first-round picks of, of recent memory. So it's um, – so, it, I mean, it, that just goes to show how much of a gamble um, kind of relying on the draft is. For some teams, it works out, but, but it, hasn't, it hasn't been the, the, the Bucks' strong suit, I, I, I have to say. Yeah. I remember liking Richard Vaughn a lot, and I thought yeah, he would be and a quality he just, player. I mean, nothing really came of it. I, I loved the Thon Maker pick. I mean, when you looked at his high school mixtape, it was, he looked like he was just going to be unstoppable. He had everything. And then he came here and it was, he'd hit a shot or two and he'd block a shot or two. But other than that, I mean, um, he, he was nothing special. So it's just kind of, it's really, it's, it's really, you have to encounter a lot of luck when you go into the draft and it's just, something that the Bucks, uh, aside from Giannis, haven't really seen. Yeah. And that's, see, that's where you get in trouble. The illustrious high school mixtape with the, like the hard beats and the quick yep. cuts with the dunks and the fans going, yeah, that's where, it, <laughs> that's where you get in trouble with it. But I mean, that, that brings an interesting conversation up for the Bulls because even though, I mean, the tanking versus non-tanking, I mean, that can go either way sometimes, but the Bulls are probably going to have the number seven pick, who knows? Maybe they get in the top four. I don't know. But this year's draft is not very strong on paper, at least not compared to the last couple of years. But even though that's the case, you look at the Giannis draft and it's proof that you can still find, like there's going to be a star that comes out of every draft, right? So there's right. going to be a star that comes out 
of the uh, 2020 NBA draft. So you look at the players who are in this field, LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, uh, Denny Avdija, uh, RJ Hampton, Killian Hayes. There's a lot of players who are very interesting. When you look at this Bulls roster, let's say the Bulls pick at number seven. Who would you... Who would you have? Who would you uh, go for in this draft that you think makes sense for the Bulls roster? I gotta say, per, I, I'm not. I, I'm not the biggest college basketball fan, uh, so I, I have a really hard time um, kind of just talking about drafts, just because I, I really don't know all that much. But for me personally, looking at the Bulls roster, they, the guys that they have right now, I mean, they have some really promising bigs and they have a couple really promising guards. I, I'm really high on Kobe White. I, I really like the guy. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be mad seeing the Bulls take um, maybe like a, a shooting guard small forward. Um, that That's kind of the position that I could see the Bulls going after. I mean, I know you guys obviously have Levine, who's who, who's been a, a really great player. Um, so that's that's kind of the position um, that that I would seek. If I, I mean, that's just that's just me. I'm sure you guys probably have different opinions. Um, but I mean, a guy like Obi, he. I mean, he has these incredible highlights, but how well is his game going to translate to the NBA? He's, um, I mean, that that's where just that that fa- luck factor comes in. Um, a, a lot of these guys, I mean, the top of this year's draft looks really, really promising. After that, I I'm not sh- so sure. So that's really where kind of that that luck that luck comes in. But if if I were the Bulls, I, I mean. When I look at their roster, I, I really like their bigs. So maybe, maybe an, another guard, a small forward. That's that's kind of where I'm. That's kind of where I'm leaning. Yeah, I, I think the wing is the biggest weakness, and I don't like to necessarily draft by need. But I'm I'm starting to like uh, Denny Avija more and more. And he's he has a talent. I feel like there. Uh, so I don't think it would be simply drafting for need. So and I think that he might be available in that seventh spot. So uh, that's a guy that I'm probably starting to look at if the Bulls stay at seven. Now if they are lucky enough to uh, get into the top three or four, um, that's when you start looking at certain guys like Anthony Edwards, who've been maybe a little raw, uh, showing but showing potential, and obviously Lamelo Ball is. Comes with certain baggages, but he definitely has the raw potential as well. So yeah, that's that's what I'm really looking at when I look at this draft. And again, I agree with everyone that's saying, you know, there's not a star." And it's funny this draft is trying to remind me more and more of that Giannis draft where everyone everyone looked at that draft and was like, "Guys, ah, this is this isn't a really good draft." And all of a sudden, you know, you'll probably end up seeing a guy that goes 22 or something or like 15 like Giannis did and end up being uh, end up being the best player in the draft. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like that this draft kind of has that potential. Like I said, um, the top guys are are look really promising. But then after that, it's it's um, it's going to be it's all going to come down to luck. It feels like. That's the same draft. So Giannis, Rudy Gobert, and Tony Snell. 
That's the same draft, right? Yeah, that's the same draft. Yeah, I, I, be- I believe so, yes. Yeah. Let me, I can look that up. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's the same I draft. So. The Bulls took uh, Tony Snell seven spots before Rudy Gobert. So, I mean, that's something. It, it just goes to show you that a lot of times, even though we go through all these mocks and things like that, and, like, nobody really knows a lot of times. Like like you said right. earlier, the draft is a crapshoot, and Giannis, Giannis went behind Shabazz Muhammad, Kelly Olenek, Michael Carter Williams, Trey Burke, Ben McLemore. And it, at the time, that was a normal opinion. But they yeah, I mean, shift. it wasn't like, wow, nobody picked Giannis. Like, yeah. so it really, I mean, nobody knows, nobody knows until it happens and nobody knows until uh, players prove themselves in the NBA. So that's, yeah, that's just one reason why I've never really, uh, never really got into college basketball all that much or never really paid too much attention to the draft just because really any, anything can happen unless there's a guy like LeBron. But even then LeBron could have come into the league and, and not played up to expectations. So it's really, it's, it's no one knows. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Bulls will get lucky and another Antetokounmpo will sprout out of nowhere. They seem to be like just appearing randomly. I feel, I feel like there's like how many brothers does he have? I feel like every every year you hear about a new one. <laughs> I know. I mean, he's still got that. He's still got that one that's playing high school ball right now. So, and I mean, take it with a grain of salt. But Giannis says that he's better, or that his brother is better than he was at that age. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's just saying that to be a nice brother, but. Anything can happen. Who knows? There can yeah. be another uh, superstar Giannis brother in the NBA. Yeah, he well, he might be more skilled at the same age because I remember Giannis was pure athlete when he first like when they first he was eighteen years old. He didn't really have much of a game outside of just being like, the Greek freak. So, um, so he he could be right in that regards. I I haven't really looked at his brother play, but he could be right in that regards. Yeah, I mean. Um, Yeah, it really just goes to show you that anything can happen in the draft. So let me let me ask you this real quick. There's been a lot of rumors lately about uh, Zach Levine and him teams possibly making a run at him if the Bulls make him available. I I think a lot of fans go back and forth about Zach Levine. We've talked about this on uh, past few shows. But just the dilemma of what you do when you have a good player on a bad team and that player isn't really on a long term deal. Zach's got two years left on his deal and he's still 24 years old. So and and he's made improvements uh, each season after coming back from an ACL. What do you do with Zach Levine if you're Arturis Karnasovas? Are you saying, hey, let's get a new coach in here? Let's see what Zach can do. Let's just let's keep going with that. Or are you saying, hey, Zach Levine's value right now, this is as high as it's going to get. Let's trade him. Let's get some draft picks. Let's like reset the clock. What are you doing with a player like Zach Levine? Yeah, I mean, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but Zach Levine has been one of the players that is kind of outspoken in his dislike for Boylan. Am I right? Yeah. It's yeah. He's well. It, it, his his relationship started off rocky, and then for a little bit, they seemed really good because there was like a period where Zach offered to pay Jim Boylan's penalty uh, or technical foul uh, fee fine, 
And then last season, obviously, or this season, I should say, well, they had that whole uh, situation with Miami where he was benched for supposedly three egregious errors. And they were just kind of, and then you've seen throughout the season where Zach has just been very upset about various reasons where he complains about Jim Boylan's timeouts on the bench. He just like, you see him like mouthing, why is he calling a timeout right now when we're down 20 and there's 30 seconds left in the game? Yeah, I mean, so I, I think for whatever reason, if the Bulls really, really want to stick with Jim Boylan, they see something in him that we don't. Um, then I say you almost have to trade Zach Levine because, I mean, you're, you're paying him all this money and, and he's playing for a coach that he doesn't like. That can, that can create some, re- really, some really big issues. Um, but I think getting a new coach in, um, trying, to, trying to pick up some, some, not some stars in free agency, but some, some proven NBA players, um, in free agency, bringing them in along with a new coach. Um, I, I think that Zach Levine, I mean, he's, he's an incredible basketball player and he's shown, he's shown that he can be a, a fringe all-star. He, there, a case can be made for putting him on the all-star team. Um, so I, I really think it comes down to if you're going to fire Jim Boylan, then I, I would say keep Zach Levine and, and try to get some proven NBA players around him and, and, and really just show, show what he can do. Um, but if you're going to keep Boylan, I, I think you almost have to trade Levine when his, his, uh, his stock is so high teams, teams have shown interest. I think that you can get a, a pretty good haul back for him. Um, but I mean, I think it really comes down to that coaching situation first. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that the Bulls do. I, I think that the Bulls do owe it to themselves to see what they can do with a new coach and with this talent on this roster. But at the same time, nobody on this team is untradeable or untouchable. So if teams call and they want to make offers for Zach Levine, if you get something good, you almost have to you have to do it. What what that offer is, I I don't know. It, again, Shame. yeah, like it's it, it's. It's such a uh, it's such a conundrum because you're not going to get a better player in return for Zach Levine. So you would assume that all the deals you're going to get are going to be draft pick heavy or they're going to be younger players who may not be as promising as Levine. So it's going to be some combination of that, maybe expiring contracts. I don't know, but Zach Levine is clearly the most impactful player that the Bulls have on this roster. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. People can say what they want about that. But I think Bulls fans at this point, they don't want another uh, rerun of trading a really good player and not getting something substantial back like we did with Jimmy Butler. Who, I mean, sure, we got Zach Levine back, but Zach Levine's not Jimmy Butler. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and the Levine issue is too. Like around the league, he's probably a little underrated, but with the Bulls, he's kind of he's worth more to the Bulls. I could, like I should say that than he is around the league. So that's that's the problem when you're trading a player like that. Um, right. Oh, sorry. Yeah. 
it, it's I was just gonna say it's it's tough to see a, a player like that on a on a team that's underperforming or or just not doing so great. It's kind of like Beal in uh, in Washington. Hopefully things change when John Wall gets back. But uh, yeah, it, it's tough to it's tough to watch a, a a really really good player like that waste some years on a on a team that's that's trying to rebuild or trying to tank. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, yeah. as we are wrapping up right here, uh, any final thoughts from you, Drake? And obviously, please let our listeners know uh, on anything that you're working on or and where to follow you on our social media platforms. Yeah, just uh, just feel free to follow me at Snell Season, S-N-E-L-L-S-E-N on Twitter. Um, I usually live tweet the games that are going on. And I'll, I tweet, it's, it's pretty much strictly... Um, basketball for the most part, but um, I'm just really looking forward to to watching the playoffs this year. I feel like um, it's the first year in a while where the playoffs are going to be really, really competitive, um, even in the the lower seed games. Um, uh, there's a lot of teams that I feel like can make some noise, so I'm just really excited to to see how things play out. And as a Bucks fan, it's um, it's always interesting when your team is considered a contender. So. I hope we get some uh, some better luck in the playoffs this year and we don't uh, collapse in the Eastern Conference Finals. But I'm just looking forward to watching some good basketball. So, well, thank you guys also for having me. I mean, I always like to, to come on and talk basketball with whoever I can. So uh, thank you to both of you. No, no, you're, thank you for joining us. Uh, that was, we, we, we appreciate it. Uh, Edward, any final thoughts? Yeah, uh, thank you to Drake for uh, joining us. Give him a follow on Twitter. And uh, yeah, no final thoughts from me. Uh, just looking forward to seeing uh, what else comes from the Orlando bubble. Yep, yep me too. And hopefully, hopefully we'll have a very exciting uh, playoffs. It's very memorable. Uh, but that's a wrap for today's show. Please give us a follow on Twitter at Bulls Gold. You can follow Edward at Edward Shula Jr. and at me at, at Jordan Dynasty. Uh, don't forget to tune in every Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Central on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net radio station. In addition, if you've missed any previous shows, you can find us on all major and minor podcast providers. And please subscribe to Apple Podcasts and rate us a five. Thank you again to Drake for joining us today. And as always, for Edward Schuler and myself, thank you to all listeners. Till next time, Bulls fans.